And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Oh boy, I always thought when I started my life as a personal trainer that things were going to get a lot simpler and uh, I could just focus on the basic things like yelling at people, getting in their face, screaming at them a little bit when they needed to, and writing programs. Turns out that's not so much the case. So uh, we're going to start off with that. Good morning, everybody, or afternoon or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. It is morning to the point uh, here in Knoxville where the sun is not yet up. And sadly, that is the case here at 7.20 in the morning. Uh, I don't know when this happened. It's just like very, very quickly. Uh, I'm, I'm much more attuned to the change in seasons this time around this year. I've never really paid much attention to it. I was always kind of oblivious, like, oh, wow, it's, uh, okay, it, wow, it seems like it's dark now. Oh, it's, it sure is light earlier. It was like, you know, all of a sudden one day it would hit me. Well, ever since the skunk episode with Taz, which was now a couple months ago at this point, you know, knowing that they're, they're nocturnal, they come out at night, I see a lot of them around the neighborhood in the morning. So I'm very attuned to how much light there is outside now when I walk him, which is usually at about 630. Uh, and so I'm very, very attuned to how much daylight there is or isn't outside. And for some time now, I've been walking around using my phone as a flashlight and scanning it through yards as we walk past just to make sure there are no skunks rooting around for whatever the hell they root around for. Um, and we've seen several, um, you know, probably in the last... I don't know. It's usually once or twice a week that we'll see one in somebody's yard. There was one walk a couple weeks ago where I saw three in one morning. They're just all over the place in this neighborhood. It is insane. We've also I've seen a fox at one point, um, which was kind of funny. A lot of bunnies. Um, Taz saw a bunny last night as we were outside in the... Uh, in the backyard, and it was scurrying alongside the fence, and oh my god, just listening to him whine about his inability to go and chase that thing was hilarious. Poor guy, poor guy. Oh, poor Tazzy, poor Tazzy. Uh, so anyway, what I wanted to talk about here, um, not so much just you know the changing of the seasons, but life as a business owner. Uh, <laughs> says that's the thing you're you're a trainer and whether you want to admit it or not you are really a business owner the the question is do you really embrace that and do everything that is associated with it or are you just a trainer uh, are you just an independent contractor who's you know associated with the facility and they do most of your business for you in which case you know you're never really going to achieve a very high level of success and it's always going to be more uh, if you if you approach it like that it's always going to be more of a job and never really a career um, but if you turn it into a business you can take your job and turn it into a career absolutely and that's certainly what I've done and that was my intention from the word go was to never really just be satisfied with uh, just attaching myself to a facility whether it was as an employee or as an independent contractor but always be focusing on trying to grow it beyond that have uh, something on the side, uh, like when I was training in a studio, I wasn't content with that, and that's when I really spent time building up my uh, my uh, online business. Which <clears throat> I got to tell you, it's it's tricky because you know you're spending time training clients in uh, in a gym. Uh, those are long days because you have clients that want to work out at five five thirty six in the morning. And you have clients who want to work out at 6, 6.37 in the evening. So I, there were days when I would leave the house at 4.45 and have a, have a, a short little break during the day here and there, but maybe not be back until 8. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it was, those were long days. Those were really, really long days. And the problem with that is, especially depending on where you're training, where you live in relation to the facility. Um, so, you know, is it easy to just run back home if you have an hour or is that not really practical? Uh, and then also, what is available at the facility? Does your facility have Wi-Fi? Do they have a desk where you can sit at? Do they have a place where you can chill? Or is it like, you know, if you want to sit and chill somewhere, you've got to go hang in the squat rack, you know, something like that. So uh, certainly I've had experience in, in both of those uh, environments. But the problem is it's still really difficult to get anything productive done during that in-between time because usually your breaks aren't long enough. Or You've got a break scheduled, but oh, the owner of the facility wants to have a, a fucking trainer meeting or some bullshit like that. It's like, gosh, shoot me in the face. So, 
you know, it, point being, when you're doing something like that, it's really difficult to to grow some other arm or branch of your business. So uh, it was slow going for me, for sure. And I would capitalize on the times when, you know, times were a little bit tougher and I didn't have as many clients because here's the thing, when you're training in person, if you've got 15 clients, you could find yourself really busy because if they all want to see you three times a week, that's 45 training hours, which is going to span over many more actual hours during the day. Um, of just, just client work. So, uh, but if, if you suddenly you're, you drop from 15 and you know, let's say just five people have something come up and they need to take a break for a month or they just disappear on you or whatever, well, that's a third of your client base. And that was really what prompted me to go online as much as anything else. I also knew that I could attract more of the clientele that I was looking for. At the time, I lived in Asheville, and I really wanted to train competitors. Asheville, North Carolina, which if you don't know, it's like, you know, what's the best way to describe Asheville? I know I've got a couple listeners in Asheville, so having lived there, let me see if I can do it right. I moved from Eugene, Oregon to Asheville, North Carolina, and really the main thing that changed were the accents and the climate. Um, it is still very much like a hippie kind of town like that nestled in, in the Appalachian mountains. So it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. It's not what you expect when you move to the South or out East. So it was very, it's very laid back. It's very much a, uh, a vacationers town. What were the people there called? They were called, um, Oh, halfbacks. I think it was something like that. Because you've got all these people that go, they migrate from like New York down to um, Florida for the summer or for the winter. Um, and then they go back, but they only make it halfway back because they stop in Asheville. So, I mean, we had a lot of people like that. Actually, I had several clients who were seasonal um, who were, you know, going back and forth between the Northeast and Florida. Um, so it's point being, it's not exactly a hotbed of competitive bodybuilding. It's not a big town to begin with. It's maybe, I don't know. 80,000 people, something like that, if I'm trying to remember correctly. Um, so trying to build up a client base of, uh, of competitors or people who want to train like competitors, when you're new in the town and there's already one guy who kind of corners the market on that, even though he's dog shit, he's just a terrible trainer, um, <clears throat> it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like, ugh, it's hard to get a foothold in there. So like, all right, I'm going to take this business online. So one reason for it was just, you know, it, it wasn't going to be easy or practical to try and succeed as a high level in person in Asheville. The other thing was, um, the ability to, you know, if, if you lose a client financially, the impact is a lot smaller, you know, instead of being like, wow, that one client that accounted for 10% of my income. Ouch. Ooh, that stings. Um, and then, you know, also you're, you're looking at having a smaller number. So you've got somewhere between 10 and 15 clients typically, which means losing one hurts, but it also means that gaining one can be difficult. You really got to hustle for that. Um, and it all has to do with the, uh, the, the cost being the, uh, the barrier of entry. So my, my plan was to have something that was less expensive um, and it's clearly online qualifies for that. You know, you're not um, throwing several hours of your week to an in-person appointment. So the expectation is the cost is going to be less. And then also just from a, a, a business perspective, it's a lot easier to weather little ups and downs and bumps in the road um, as people, you know, because personal training is a business that <laughs> more than anything else thrives on attrition. Uh, I always joke that uh, I have set myself up in a career where I'm likely to get fired multiple times a month. Um, and, you know, fired is a harsh word, but, you know, people are going to leave and they're going to come on. And, and so you've got to have your processes down to bring somebody up to speed relatively quickly. And you've also got to be able to let go of somebody and not take it personally when, when they decide it's time to leave. So, uh, and I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on both of those things. But the idea being, I wanted to really set things up so that uh, I just didn't have to have so much anxiety every time, you know, I, I lost a client. So I, I know I'm, I'm talking about this for a few reasons. First of all, I'm, I'm coming to a story, which is really going to feel anticlimactic after this. I didn't plan on building this up for this long, but I also know that I have a lot of people out there who are also trainers and a lot of people who are interested in the business side of growing a training business. And I feel like if there's anything I'm qualified to speak on, um, hopefully it, there's a few things, but that would be one of them. Absolutely. Cause I feel like I've, I've, a, a lot of it has to do with luck. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie about that at all. Um, a lot of it has to do with luck. Uh, 
but at the same time, what what was the Thomas Jefferson quote? I find the harder I work, the luckier I get. That there's something that applies to that as well. So I really did bust my ass to 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 make it happen as well. Uh, but a lot of people bust their ass, and you know, if you don't have that little spark of luck that kind of ignites things, then it can be difficult. The, the lucky thing for me was. You know, I had a spark like that very, very early on, and I was able to capitalize on it. So, uh, you know, a, a very early client of mine, um, I believe I can say pretty safely, she was my first online client that I didn't know personally. Um, like I had a, a couple people that were friends or friends of friends who started up doing training. Um, th- there was one guy also, I, r- I remember him well, Justin, I remember Justin very well, um, who, uh, I-, I did online training with him. It was almost just like a trial run. Like I had no clue what I was doing as far as the logistics or anything like that, like how to communicate with him, how to check in with him. So I just did everything I could and I threw it at him and it was like, here you go. <laughs> and so and I was very, very hands on with him. Uh, but, uh, the, the first uh, person that I found, I really had like you know a, a contest prep uh, training package to offer. The first person that came to me just happened to be uh, I, I lucked out. Um, she was the perfect test case for something like this because she had been working for a while on her own, hadn't you know had the mindset, but just hadn't really capitalized on her potential at all. Um, but was willing to put in the work. Was super super coachable. Um, and just happened to be, uh, she, she had really good genetic gifts as well. Uh, and so, you know, we're like, okay, great. we we'll, we just started up. We jumped right into prep, uh, at the tail end of December for an April show. And, uh, we took her in there and she won the whole thing. Uh, so, I mean, that was a, a, a huge, huge confidence boost for me. Just knowing like, okay, we can do this. Awesome. And, uh, also, um, you know, it, it then became something that I could capitalize on because, you know, when you have a client that succeeds, then great. You, uh, you, you, you build off that. Absolutely. You promote the hell out of that. So, um, that, that was kind of the spark that lit everything. And just the fact that that happened to be like my, my first client, uh, online, it was very fortuitous at the same time I had done the work. So I was ready for that. I, I was ready to help somebody succeed if they fell into my lap and it just happened to be like the perfect storm of events where they were ready to kick some ass and everything was primed. I knew what to do with it at that point. So, um, it it was, it was, it was cool to have that happen. It was very lucky. So all of this to say, you you gotta, if you're going to be a successful trainer, you've got to operate it as a business. You can't just go in and train people. I mean, you've got to get into the underbelly of all of the stuff that is less fun. And the underbelly right now is what I'm wrestling with. So let me give you an example. And I feel like without the long, laborious introduction, this could become a recurring segment on this podcast very easily. Um, the, the, the underbelly of running a personal training business. And we could just talk about funny little things for four or five minutes. So he, here is the current thing that I'm wrestling with. Of course, I have a website. You know where that is, right? Fivestarphysique.com. That's right. Good call. You remember. That's awesome. And how do you spell it? Yes, that's right. Star with two R's, five spelled out, not the numerals. So thank you. Uh, this is a site that, uh, and I'll, I'll give you a little back of the house uh, detail here. Um, so I registered the domain and purchased hosting for that domain through GoDaddy. So uh, I won't bore you with all the details, but basically you have to own the name, uh, fivestarphysique.com, the domain name. You have to purchase that. You have to find something that's available and appropriate for your business. Um, that was the one that I wanted. I also own, I don't know if I still own, I think I do, fivestarfitness.com. I, I use that. That was for something completely different. And that's actually why my email address is Darren at fivestarfitness.com. I own both domains. Um, so you have that, but then, okay, that gets you the name, but that doesn't give you anything that you can do with it. Um, so then you need to purchase hosting as well. And so the, the domain name that you pay an annual fee for it, it's like, you know, typically on the order of 10 to $12 a year, the domain can be as inexpensive as $5 a month. I pay for an upgraded hosting plan. That's more like 15 or $20 a month or something like that. This determines how much storage space you have, um, the speed of the server, how accessible it is, how responsive it is. Um, also keep in mind what you're really paying for is processing power and storage space on a computer somewhere in a server farm that I think, uh, it, for my case in GoDaddy is somewhere in Arizona. So, uh, the, 
the the thing to remember about that is you're buying basically a portion of this computer to use and serve up your website. So um, that computer has to have software on it. It has to run on an operating system. It has to have libraries installed to support various things, various script languages that need to run on your website, etc. So um, at, at some point in the not so distant uh, past, I had to upgrade to a different server because the one I was on, I'd been using it for years and it was like, this server is kind of obsolete at this point. We can't install upgrade libraries to run a new version of PHP. So what you're going to find, because my website runs on WordPress, which is the blogging software, you just install that as a package to run on your hosting platform. And then the way I update my website is I log in through WordPress and then I can view, I can write pages, I can write posts. Like in order to get this podcast online, I have to create a new post. I have to link to the audio file that get uploaded. Um, I have to plug in the artwork. I have to type in my show notes and all that stuff. I have to classify it, categorize it, and do all that stuff. Easy peasy. Not a problem. WordPress makes it really easy. But there are plugins that you install for WordPress to do various things. Like if you go to uh, any sub page at fivestarphysique.com, on the right side, you'll find an Instagram banner there where it shows my latest Instagram posts. Well, it does that because of a plugin that I've installed for WordPress. Uh, and so these plugins, they get upgraded over time and eventually they add new features and it's like, oh, you need to upgrade your version of PHP in order to use this plugin. Well, I was getting that note for more and more of my plugins, but I couldn't upgrade that version of PHP because of the physical server that my website was being stored on. So I had to migrate, et cetera, all that stuff. So one of the things that came through that as well was I was actually finally able to upgrade my version of WordPress. It's kind of like the operating system for your website, if you will. So big upgrade. So I upgraded that. Great. Went off without a hitch. No problem. But now the problem is this is actually now after 17 minutes, the crux of what the problem is. I have a new workout program available. Kind of, you know, I, I wrote this. I mentioned I, I, I had some help in writing it as well. Thank you, Mary. You've been invaluable. Appreciate it. Um, so uh, I'd been needing to, to get some new workout programs online, uh, but I just didn't have the time to do it. Again, business owner, lots of stuff. So now what I'm wrestling with is when I go to create a, uh, make a new workout program available for purchase on the website, I have to create a new page for it. And then I have to link in the, the uh, commerce uh, package that I use as Shopify. So that's the, the shopping cart service that I use. Um, and so they give you a, then a link where you plug in, okay, here's the product name, here's the price. It's a digital product. So here's the PDF that's accompanied with it. So when somebody purchases it, it automatically sends that PDF over. Great. Here it is. Da, 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 da. Awesome. Okay. Now show me how I can embed this on a website. Okay. Well, here's, you know, do you, do you want a, a picture and a description? Do you want just the description? No, I, I'm going to write all the description myself. I just want the button, the, the buy now button. That's it. Okay, cool. So here's the link. Copy and paste that into your website. The problem is this new version of WordPress, when I go to copy and paste it in, it doesn't work. <laughs> so now, and there's nothing obvious. Like, I'm not a script master. I understand enough about PHP to know like how to make sure to copy and paste it correctly and where it goes, what tags it goes between, etc. I do that, though, in the web, the, the page. Um, as soon as I plug it in there, it just eats it. And uh, it won't it won't uh, won't display it anywhere. So as soon as I add the the button to add the buy, or as soon as I add the the code to add the buy button onto the page, the whole page takes a crap. So that's where I'm at right now. I, I have to find some probably hours during the day to dig in and figure out how to fix that. So as a business owner, as a a business of one, these are the things that I am dealing with now, figuring out. How, how this PHP code is getting eaten by the website so that I can't display a buy button because it's impacting me from uh, putting a new workout plan up and available. So let me just tease it right now. The workout plan is called the Advanced Figure Blueprint. It's pretty kick-ass. It's kind of a kitchen sink approach where... There's a lot of everything in here, um, a lot of advanced tactics, uh, a lot of intensifying protocols, a little bit more rest pause stuff than what I've done in the past for a lot of things. I'm becoming a bigger and bigger believer in that the more I spend, uh, the more time I spend on it, the more uh, uh, more experience I get with it. You know, I've been using it for years, but you just you come back to a tactic and you're like, yeah. I forgot how awesome this is. So this one relies on a little bit more. Um, this one also, let me just pull it up here really quick and I can step you through the workouts that are in it. So again, 
advanced figure blueprint, what, what it says here, and I'll, I'll read you the introductory paragraph here. It's designed for the figure competitor or anyone, really, who wants to step up their games in terms of what's looked upon favorably by judges in the figure division. So there's two days for shoulders. There's a high-volume back workout, two days for legs, and just a little bit of chest and arm work on a, on a separate day um, that allows us to spend more time focusing on the highlights. Some advanced tactics in here that will challenge lifters of all experience levels. So, yeah, I mean, it's designed as a, you know, it's, it's a figure... Um, aesthetic oriented workout, but that certainly does not mean that it's exclusive for competitors or anything like that. So, you know, if, if you are of a mind where you're like, Hey, you know what? I really kind of like, uh, I, I like that look. That's what I want to chase. I don't want to compete or anything like that. Great. Cool. Or if you're a guy and you train chest and arms all the time, uh, and, uh, you know, you're like, Hey, you know what? If I really think about it and really think about my physique fairly, I probably spend too much time on those. Let's de-emphasize those for a little bit and focus on everything else instead. Back, shoulders, legs. There you go. So this, this could also be for you as well. Don't be, uh, don't be skewed by the fact that it says it's a figure workout. So, um, okay. So that went on for way, way longer than I thought it was going to, but nonetheless, there you go. Possibly the genesis of a, a new recurring segment, um, talking about, well, um, it, it would be a lot shorter than that, but the challenges of, uh, of the business owner in the personal training space. So, whew, okay, let's, uh, let's move on now. Um, there is a voicemail that's going to start off with a really funny introduction. So I, I will, preview this one because I did listen to this already. Uh, this is, uh, this is from Jenny who we've heard from here before. And she starts off here. This one, uh, we, I, I had one of her messages on here uh, a couple episodes ago. Um, and this one was sent not long after that at all. And so that explains the beginning of this. So clearly she says, you know, ignore that previous message. Absolutely. I did not do that at all. Cause they were good questions still, uh, you know, whether you found the answer to your questions before or not other people you know who just started listening i don't expect them to go and listen back through the whole back catalog so it's, it's always good to, to repeat some things here but anyway she's got some more to say so let's see what it is hey darren it is jenny calling again from minnesota um first you need to ignore my last message because i've been listening to your podcast and i actually got my questions answered ha. and no such it, luck i don't know if my questions really even made sense so they did anyway we can ignore that one too. no i have two other questions one is water. So I've been listening to your podcast, and you're talking about um, how you should not drink water 10 minutes before and after. And I've always been under the impression that we are supposed to be drinking lots of water when we eat to help digest the food. So I was wondering if you could go into more about why that is and why we should uh, not drink within 20 minutes of eating. Um, second question, if you screw up and go off your plan one day and you eat too much, um, the next day, should you skip a meal? Should you lower your calories for the next rest of the week? Or should you just get right back on plan? Um, just wondering if you should try to balance the calories for your weekly meals or um, just get right back into it and make sure you eat like normal the next day. Um, that's it so far. Thanks. I've been enjoying listening to the podcast and learning lots. Sweet. All right. Thank you, Jenny. As I mentioned, yes, uh, <laughs> all those questions made sense. Absolutely. So these are good ones as well. So um, I have in the past, I've, I've said this to clients and I've, I've probably said it on here before as well about breaking up your food intake and your water intake a little bit. So um, this is something that I picked. And at this point, I am... Uh, I am totally all about uh, name dropping at this point, just because I don't care. Protect the innocent, nah, screw it, whatever. Um, so one of the coaches that I had in the past was a guy named AJ Sims, who was out of Florida, I think. Um, and this this was a tactic that he turned me on to. Now, he was a huge believer in this, like in the initial information that he would send out. And so one thing I'll say about AJ, this was kind of interesting, because all coaches have their... Uh, their, their way of doing things. And I, I think part of the big, um, wh one of the things that really helps set the tone for what a coach is going to be like to work with is that first email you get that has everything in it. And I try to make that package. I mean, here's the thing. There's no way to do it in such a way that it's not an overload of information. There just isn't. Um, but uh, what I try to do is consolidate it a little bit. I'm like, here you go. There are four attachments 
typically when I send something out, you know, it's like, here's the actual plan. Here's an FAQ. Here's the workout separate from the actual plan. Here are the workouts that I want you doing. And then uh, here's a spreadsheet that you can use to track all the things like your weigh-ins and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's four attachments. Oh crap. But they all have very distinct purposes. Um, And some of them you will sit down and really digest stuff from and some you won't. Uh, And then the email is really talking about like, you know, here are the four attachments. Here's what they're for. And then the rest of it is really all about how we handle check-ins, like when they're due, what all I need to see, and all that kind of stuff. So I could try and break it down and not completely make it overwhelming. And I remember the email that I got from AJ, it was all an email. I don't think there was a single attachment in there. It was one email that was like six pages long. And uh, I had, I think my my list of questions and response was about a page long. I'm like, I am not a dumbass. Like, I've been doing this for a long time. If I have a list of of questions a page long, that's telling me that you're not doing a good job of explaining stuff. Um, Because I can't imagine what somebody with a lower experience level would be like trying to adopt a plan like this. It was super detailed for sure, um, but it was missing a lot. Like, and it was making a lot of assumptions. Like there were a lot of abbreviations for supplements and things like that. I'm like, look, I, I know supplements as well as anybody. I don't know what half this shit is. Like you're going to have to dumb it down for me a little bit. What are you talking about here? And then it was like, you know, meal one, two, three, four, five, six, pre-workout, post-workout, intro workout. And then, you know, a, a middle of the night meal as well. I'm like 10 meals. Really? Are you sure about that? Cause that doesn't really seem, uh, very reasonable. Uh, <laughs> It's like, is this just what you throw at everybody? Anyway, I I digress. The point being, uh, as far as my experience with this recommendation, it comes from him. But one of the things in his 45-page long email that started it out was this thing about water. Um, and, And what he said, and I've adopted this situationally as a recommendation that I throw out to people, is uh, cut off water intake 20 minutes before and after eating. So... Uh, and why does that work? Well, I don't know. And I'm not necessarily certain that it does, but it's something that I keep in my tool belt as far as a recommendation to make. If somebody is experiencing digestive difficulties that we can't seem to explain any other way, just because, Hey, you know, for a day, let's try it. Uh, it's not something that I issue as standard advice. I don't think it is typically necessary. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a good idea. Like if you look it up, then, you know, what it says is, you know, mixing fluid and solid in your, uh, mixing fluids and solids together and letting them combine in your stomach, uh, improves digestion, improves nutrient absorption. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, as far as just common sense, kind of gaming it out, that makes perfect sense. I also don't necessarily um, believe that that has to be 100% accurate in uh, the case for all people at all times. And so I, I have, um, I mean, it's pretty uncommon that, that I issue that advice and, and have somebody try that. I would say realistically, it's like a couple times a month, probably. It's not very often. But nonetheless, it is something that I keep in my tool belt as far as like, you know, let's just try it. Let's just try and see what happens. So, uh, and I have had a couple cases where it does improve things, um, but I have had uh, plenty of cases also where it didn't make any difference. So it's just something to try if we're really at a loss. And usually, you know, if we're experiencing digestive difficulties, I'm not talking necessarily like constipation. Um, you know, that that's something where that's not going to start from the stomach. That's going to start in the intestines. Um, so I'm not really worried about what's mixing in your stomach. But if you're experiencing, you know, like this really you know, bloated, like stomach is overly full kind of sensation. That's when I'd be looking at trying to implement this and see how it helps. Um, but clearly the first thing to look at is, you know, what are you eating? Because <laughs> it's almost certainly going to be that instead. Um, some, some food that you're ingesting is having a reaction to it. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with whether or not there's fluid in your stomach at the same time, but just the food itself is what's causing the problem. That's what you're having the reaction to. So, um, yeah, so great question there. And then your your follow-up as well, Jenny, this is a good one. So what I, what I refer to this as is macro compensation. Like if you have a bad day, then what do you do the next day? Uh, and so this advice will be different depending on who you are, depending on what we're doing, depending on the short-term vocabulary fail. Wow, what? <laughs> the The short-term... 
well, the, 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 the little picture, the little picture, like, okay, uh, over the course of a few weeks here, like, you know, the, the past couple weeks and the couple weeks ahead, what's going on? You know, are we trying to grow? In which case, no, Pfft, give me a break. Are we trying to cut? In which case, eh, maybe. Are we uh, pre-contest? Okay, well, now we, we're really getting into some, some tricky situations here. So it really depends. It really depends. My default response is no. You have a bad day. You know, you go over on calories. We're not going to cut you short the next day. And the reason for that is 100% mental. I don't want to use food or cardio as punishment. Um, I, I think it sets a really bad precedent and send somebody down a path towards an eating disorder if you uh, punish with food or with exercise uh, a lack of adherence to a plan. I just think that that is fundamentally a really, really bad and dangerous approach, and it's not one I'm willing to take uh, in most cases. Now, there are some cases where, you know, rubber meets the road. I'm like, oh, man, whew, yeah. Okay, so we went over by 1,000 calories that day, and you're three weeks out. We're going to have to make up for that. We're going to have to do something. <laughs> and it's, it's not about punishment. It's about, you know, fixing this. So, uh, and I, I always try to make sure that's very clear as well. Whenever we make changes like that, you know, it's not because you did something bad uh, as far as behavior. It's because you done fucked up and we got to fix it. So um, just, you know, I, I try to make that as clear as possible. Uh, and what do we do? I don't know. It, it just depends on how egregious it was. It might be like, okay, you know what? Let's just work in some extra cardio here, see if we can burn that off. Um, it, it might be, you know, let's just take in some extra water intake because, you know, the calories weren't that bad, but there's a lot of a so a sodium associated with it. And I just don't want you to feel like you're retaining all that water for any longer than necessary. So let's just try and flush as much of that out of you as possible. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of different things that you could do. I, I'm not typically going to be a fan of reducing calories just because if we're at the point when this really matters, um, and we need to do something about it, then I don't, your, your calories are already low and I don't think lowering them further is necessarily a productive path forward. So I, I wouldn't necessarily, uh, re recommend that at all. So, um, yeah, uh, great question though. Very, very good. And that's one I get a lot. And that's one that shows up in my inbox probably about once a week or so. Um, somebody copying to something or on, on a check-in like, oh, I messed up. And then, you know, I, uh, on my low day, I went way over. So then on my next training day, I had a low, a, a low carb day instead. I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. No, don't, don't. I mean, first of all, don't mess up in the first place, but then don't punish yourself and try to get in a, a leg day on 75 grams of carbs. I mean, come on, we got to be practical about it at the same time. Uh, and oftentimes people who are making those judgment calls and compensating like that, um, are, are doing so when it's not really life or death. I mean, clearly nothing is life or death, but it's not really, really critical or anything like that. So, um, very good question though. Very, very good question. So, um, we got another, uh, message here. This one actually, whew, this next one's from Tom. I, I previewed this one as well. And, uh, it just came in last night. So Tom's going to feel like he's being spoiled here. Like, you know, Jenny, when was this one? You, you called in 12 days ago with that one, and I'm slow. I'm catching up now. So uh, when you hear Tom's message here, um, I'm officially caught up, and I'm waiting for more shit. So 865-518-2974. If nobody calls in, I don't know, probably won't have anything to talk about on Friday except my dentist appointment Friday afternoon. So um, you calling in and leaving a question or sending me a message through some way that I can talk about is your way of avoiding having Friday be the dentist episode um, where I can talk about, you know, what I expect is going to happen. Or maybe, uh, maybe I'll wait until after the dentist so I can tell you all what happened. How exciting would that be? So, yeah, don't make me take you to the dentist with me. Call in and leave questions. And also, I would love to hear more feedback on things that we talk about here. Like, I'll, I'll get occasional comments from people like, hey, I really enjoyed the segment on blah, blah, blah. And oftentimes I'll follow up like, oh, cool, cool. What was it about that? And sometimes I won't get a response. But I love hearing that kind of stuff. Um, I, I really want this show, even though it's just me talking at you, those, there's no way for you to like call in and for us to directly interact. But I, that being the case, it's just the, the nature of the podcast format. I like to make it as interactive as I possibly can, at least. So uh, I love getting your feedback on here, your contributions, your calls, your emails. So keep those coming, please. Um, let's see. Tom, what do you got to say? Bring it for us, man. Hey, Darren, what's going on? It's Tom Constantino up in uh, New York. I just had a quick question about um, 
men's physique competitors compared to classic and bodybuilding, uh, in your opinion, just do you think it's like a total cop out when uh, it comes to guys in uh, the physique categories that, you know, wear board shorts? They obviously don't have to focus so much on their legs and development and condition, all that stuff. Pretty sure I know your answer already, but I just want to hear your thoughts anyways. All right, thanks. <laughs> I'd be curious to hear your answer and your thoughts. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, uh, men's physique competitors. And I'm, th- I'm thinking as I'm listening to that, like, how am I going to describe this in the show notes here? Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, what I have so far here, you can help me craft this sentence here. Tom from New York City asks about men's physique competitors, dash. Um, and then I want to say something like, you know, are they lame? Uh, which sounds like a judgment call. Um, or, uh, here we go. We go. Um, are they taking the easy way out? I like that. I, I like that because that, that's, I think, what you're really asking here. And that's a legitimate question. And uh, here's what I will say. Maybe. Um, and it, it depends on the level. Like if you look at the, the pros, um, pretty much I don't think I've ever seen a pro men's physique competitor that didn't have some legs. Um, now maybe they're not like classic physique size legs, but legs that are like in proportion with their overall development, you really don't get to be a a pro, um, you know, and and have, you know, pro level of development in what we can see without having the legs as well. Um, so I, I, that it's not really a concern there, um, at the local NPC level or natural shows, OCB, et cetera. Oh, you bet. Absolutely. Do uh, and so here here is where I would differentiate things a little bit. So before all all the men's physique competitors get up in arms and start, you know, sending me hate mail. Uh and you know, I don't know if I've ever gotten a piece of hate mail, which just tells me I'm not very successful because you know, if this podcast really had a reach, I'd have some haters for sure. I, w- I want some haters. Come on. And n- nobody out there, don't don't send me your fake hate or anything like that. I don't need your pity. I don't need your pity hate. I want I want genuine like you know animosity so that I can laugh at you and say, oh, go fuck yourself, whatever. Um, make my day. Come on. Anyway, so before anybody gets up in arms, first of all, because I got a lot of clients who are men's physique competitors, and I'm not gonna bag on them uh, because that would be bad business. Going back to the first uh, category or the first discussion point here. Um, but what 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 I will say is this. I mean, I, I don't like the men's physique division personally. I also don't like the bikini division personally. I think the presentation is silly. I, I just I don't like it. Um, I wish they would change some things about it. I wish they would change some things about men's physique as well. That being said, that's on the community of bodybuilding organizations to make those changes. So I don't fault any competitor who sees an avenue for them to be the most competitive and takes it. Um, and, and embraces you know everything that they're looking for in that division. So while I don't like the overall presentation in bikini, and by that I don't mean um, I don't mean the aesthetic that they're looking for or anything like that. I mean like the way that they encourage you to like flail around on stage and move around and tw- twirl your arms and all. That. I think I think it's silly. I don't like that. Um, I wish they would change that, and I wish they would come up with something. A little bit more bodybuilding-ish and a little less pageant-ish um, as far as a presentation for that division. I can't stand how in men's physique they have you wear knee-length board shorts. I think it's stupid. That's not a criticism of anybody in that division. It's a criticism of the morons who created the v- division that way. Um, there are a lot of other things that you could do and have people wear on stage that would not uh, that would not make the division such a joke. It's dumb because those guys, the guys that are in that division, every one of them bust their ass. Now, not all of them have great legs, for sure. A lot of them have little stick legs. I mean, if your legs are lacking, what it does is it gives you a way that you can compete and, uh, you know, potentially be competitive while you're trying to bring that up. In the past, what they made you do was, you know, put in some good years in the gym before you ever thought about competing. Um, so it, it's created a, a lower barrier of entry to be able to get into the competitive world. And, and personally, I know if, if you talk to a lot of, um, bodybuilders, like male bodybuilders specifically who have been at this for a long time, the more old school approach, um, they hate that, you know, there, there's a, uh, a Facebook group out there that I'm a member of. I think it's bodybuilders for bodybuilders or by bodybuilders or something like that. I should probably know if I'm going to, uh, it's, it's a private group. You have to get invited into it. Um, but, uh, the, the, 
elitism that just drips out of that group is palpable. Um, and like the, there are comment threads uh, attached to photos a, a, all the time where it's like, you know, the, the people these days, they just don't have to put in, you know, 10 years of work in the gym before they ever step on stage. I'm like, what? just because you had to do that before, how does that make that a good thing? I mean, this is making it more accessible. Um, and the problem is you want to be a, a member of a more exclusive group and you don't like the fact that more and more people are able to get into it because the barrier of entry has been lowered a little bit. I think it's a good thing. Clearly, I'm a little biased. As a coach who works with bodybuilders, I like the fact that there are more bodybuilders now than there were 20 years ago. That works really well for me. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a complaint about the men's physique division existing. I have a complaint about it looking the way that it does and being attired the way that it does. Classic physique is a step in the right direction. I would be okay with the division very similar to classic physique that was scaled down a little bit more. Um, and maybe you, you know, you you change the rules. So I I don't know how this would work. I mean, I haven't I have spent literally zero seconds other than the past five thinking about this. So I, I don't have any thoughts, but maybe there's a way where, you know, instead of wearing uh, board shorts, maybe it's more like, you know, cyclist shorts. So they're like, you know, they're, they're a little bit more form fitting, they're knee huggers, but you know, so, you know, you still got to show that you got some size on there. Um, and maybe we reward something that, you know, the, the aesthetic can be something that, you know, has legs that are more in proportion with like normal human being proportions. Because if you look at the classic physique guys or the bodybuilders and you look at their legs, you're like, man, legs like that just can't be comfortable to walk around with. <laughs> They're huge. They're huge. So, uh, I don't know. It, it's, uh, maybe something that rewards a physique that's a little less cartoonish. I don't know. I don't know. Um, at the same time, it's kind of what bodybuilding's about, but I also, uh, make this comparison where, it's kind of like back in the 90s how figure had the one piece round like that was so I'm not just bagging on the guys here or the bikini girls um women sorry um but I mean the 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 figure competitors from the 90s and again this had nothing to do with the competitors themselves but just the people who made the division like you've got the two piece round and the one piece round give me a fucking break it's a bodybuilding show. Really? You're going to have them wear a one-piece swimsuit so there's, there's the abs don't matter anymore? Are you kidding me? It's so, so stupid. I just, ugh. I, I can't believe that it took them as long as they did to change that. I don't know how long it took, but if it was more than five minutes, it was too long. And that went on for many, many years um, with, with figure having a one-piece round as part of judging as well. Just unbelievably, mind-bogglingly stupid. Uh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. So... Uh, same kind of thing there. So my thought is, yeah, are they taking the easy way out? I don't think so. Um, I mean, they are. It, the, the fact is, this bodybuilding is changing. So uh, you know, if you if you were to go back, you know, twenty years ago when the division didn't exist and it was created by some guy who had a banging upper body and no legs, be like, yeah, he's taking the easy way out. He created a division for himself. Everybody else are just following what's already available and already been made. And what they can see is, you know, classic physique requires a certain level of development that's a lot harder to attain. But I can compete now and, you know, I can do men's physique. I can be a little smaller. My legs can be a little undersized and that's not going to be counted against me. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. That's fine. I'm totally cool. Absolutely cool. Some guys also just prefer that uh, the the aesthetic in that division or prefer the presentation in it. I personally do not, but that's that's a matter of opinion. Uh, I'm not going to belittle anybody who who does like it. Um, like that's fine. It's just personal preference. I don't like it. I I currently have a physique that would probably do a lot better in men's physique than it would in classic. But you know, I'm I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to compete in men's physique because I just I, I don't personally like it. I don't see myself in that division. It just does not feel right for me. Uh, I don't, I don't want to do it. So I'm working on my legs. I've been hitting legs twice a week for ages. So, um, on that note also, I did hit the, uh, the new gym as promised on Friday and I shared a video on my Instagram story on Saturday. I think I got a lot of response to that. Um, so what I, what I shared was this, uh, oops, should I go back and edit that? No, I'm not going to, I bumped my microphone with my wrist. So all flaws and all warts left in. Um, so I, I went to that gym. It was maxed out gym in Oak Ridge and, uh, interesting place. So you walk in and it, it's kind of weird. So 
I wasn't really ready to make a big commitment, so I just signed up for a month just because it is a longer drive. It's only an extra 10 minutes each way. That's 20 minutes. I'm like, on a busy day, that might make a difference, but I think I can do it. I think I can do it, but I still wanted to just try it out for a month, see how I like the equipment, see what the crowd was like as well, and you know, the, the music is infinitely better. They're playing actual songs instead of bullshit remixes of songs where they take ACDC and put a four on the floor dance beat club mix behind it. I'm like, just don't, 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 don't. Um, very sparsely populated, which was great. I think when I was in there on Friday, it was me and four or five other people on the whole gym floor. Um, they have a room in the back, which is what I showed in my Instagram story, which was, uh, it's kind of like an old dungeon. You know, it's, they've got a hydraulic rack. They've got dumbbells up to 200 pounds. They've got a few heavy-duty benches. They've got an extra leg press and a hack squat. They've got a couple of squat racks, loads of barbells. You know, and instead of the rubber-coated plates, they've got the iron plates. So um, much uh, much more hardcore and dungeony. So I did a little bit of leg stuff in there on Saturday, and I did the rest of it out in the main gym floor. But, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like a very hardcore place given the, uh, you know, that, that room in the back. I mean, clearly I was not there at prime time, but, uh, the, uh, there, there were a trio, uh, of people working out in there. When I went on Friday, there was a woman and two guys, the woman was, was pretty built. Uh, and the two guys were like really overweight and not like powerlifting overweight, but like just out of shape, out of weight, but they were working as a trio and taking their sweet time and doing everything as a group. Um, there was one guy who, I don't know, he was probably 5'10", maybe 120 pounds, and they, they have 40 yards of turf on one side of the gym, and all he did for 55 minutes was run in a circle on that 40 yards of turf. And I'm just looking at him like, I actually made a face like, what the fuck are you doing? And you know what he did once he was done with the turf? He went and got on the bike. Like, good Lord, man. <laughs> what, what are you doing? You you could do this anywhere. Why are you here? <laughs> Lift some weights, damn. Uh, but anyway, I mean, it, it, it's a it seems like a good facility. Um, uh, some different equipment in there, which is nice. A lot of the same equipment as the other gym, which is unfortunate. So the other gym um, where I had I had been going, it's called Armor Gym. Forcenal, for, uh, hold on, let me take a drink of water. And let me try that again. Formerly, Arsenal Strength Training Facility. So, if you've heard of Arsenal Gym Equipment, um, it was supposed to be like the showcase gym for that company. There was a, some kind of a falling out or a dispute between owners, so uh, they ended up changing the name. But still, a lot of the equipment in that gym is Arsenal Strength Training Equipment. Uh, I am here to tell you, as a spoiler alert, I know it's a local company. I'm supposed to dig them. Arsenal Equipment largely is crap. Um, it's just, it's got problems. It's, they're, they're little things. Some, some of them are little things and some of them are big things like just design problems. Like it was clearly designed by somebody who really likes gym equipment, but doesn't have a deep understanding of physics and engineering. Um, and just little, little things here and there. An example, if you have a, oh, any kind of plate loaded machine, there, there's the the pegs that you load the bars on, or the spindles, as we've referred to them here before, uh, or that you load the plates on, sorry. Um, on most machines, those things are going to be tilted up away from the floor at like a five-degree angle because as the machine moves around, jostles, etc., those plates, if you've got a lot of them stacked on so the spindle is close to capacity, it can start falling off potentially. That's a problem. So you just angle it up a little bit to keep them in place. None of the Arsenal equipment has that. Nothing is angled up away from the ground at all. So in between every set, you've got to go and shove all the plates back on towards the center of the machine from both sides. Kind of a pain in the ass. The other thing is there is a lying leg curl. and I've, I've talked about this before in, in that gym. That's an Arsenal machine um, that goes up to, I want to say like, 200, maybe 220, 240 pounds, something like that. It's selectorized, pin in the weight stack. Um, and I think the most I've ever done on that is 80. And that's 80 for like five to six reps. Like the, the loading curve on that machine is so out of whack. I'm like, I don't know. Like if I was going to stand behind and just try and lift the, 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 uh, the pad, like try and curl it or something like that. I don't think I could do it. Uh, I mean, it's like, what? 
it's just it's a poorly designed machine just because you can't I don't think I've ever seen anybody move more than 100 pounds on that machine. And you you go around to the other machines, there are a couple, you know, ego boost here, a couple that I'm close to maxing out on, which is kind of fun. Um, I don't need to do that. What I do need is more options because if I'm in a 12 to 15 rep range, I can't go higher than 40 or 50 pounds on that. So I'm using like 20% of the weight stack on that. It's just not useful. There isn't enough movable weight range to really make the machine valuable. Um, so that's a design problem. That's a design problem. The problem is now the new gym has a lot of the same equipment, but they also have a lot of legend equipment, which is also a Knoxville company. Kind of weird. Why do we have two internationally um, distributed gym equipment facilities here in Knoxville? I don't know, but we do. I used to drive by the legend headquarters every day. Um, in my, uh, when we lived in our old house. So, uh, right there on Middlebrook Pike. So anyway, um, there's a lot of legend equipment and that, that stuff is, is higher quality for sure. I really like the legend equipment. So I've got a lot of that. So it's a good mix. It's a good mix and I enjoy it. And I'm going to go there today and hit my first, uh, chest, shoulders and triceps workout, um, of the new rotation. Really, I hit one last week, but, uh, it was kind of like my, my first day back and it was, it was not a good workout. So I'm going to scrap that one and, and make this my first go around with it and we'll see how it goes. So, uh, that's all I got. I've, I've talked my own ear off here about a lot of stupid shit and I'm going to, um, take my leave now and get to it. So once again, the call is out for calls. Um, tell me what's on your mind. 865-518-2974. I'll be back to you on Friday before the dentist trip of doom. Uh, hopefully that'll be fine. Everything feels fine right now. It's just going to, I don't know. I'm sick of trying to prognosticate and figure out how it's going to go. So it's just going to happen and we'll deal with it. So call in, email, et cetera. Hit me up with whatever questions you've got. Hope everybody has a great day.